This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of The Crown Cast. And it's 2023. We did it. We, as the collective we, meaning all of us, I hope, survived 2022. There have been a lot of years that have gone by, some of them better, some worse. 2020, pretty bad. Uh, 2021, pretty questionable. 2022, for me, maybe better than it's been. Maybe it's an upward positive trend. Maybe that means that everything is trending positively. Maybe that means that uh, Charlotte FC is going to trend positively. And here to be optimistic about positive trends with me is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. 2022 gave us Charlotte FC. It can't be that bad. That is absolutely true. And here to wildly agree with us, no matter what we say, it's Josh. Hello, Josh. Oh, I, I think he's decided to hey disagree. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was apparently just trying to back out of this whole thing. Uh, how's it going, guys? In 2023, we are going to start it off strong, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, no, uh, Josh, glad to, glad to see you are with us. And uh, first and foremost, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy, happy New, New Year. Year. Uh, that's it. That's all we're going to do on all that yep. stuff. We're going to move into the Charlotte FC stuff. And now that we've talked all about it being 2023, we're going to talk about it being 2022 because we love logic here on this podcast. And uh, basically, we want to wrap it up. You know, there's one big outstanding question from 2022 that we have not addressed. There's, there's just one left, and that is our player of the season, the standout player of the whole year. And everybody gets to pick one. We don't have to agree as a group. Everybody gets to pick one. And uh, who am I going to go to and put the pressure on first? I think I'm going to go for the new guy, Josh. Your 2022 Ooh. player of the season. Who do you, who do you want to to give the ultimate ground to? So mine is going to go to, and I think it'll be a little controversial amongst this group right here, is going to go to Carol Swiderski. Um, <laughs> I don't think he was a perfect player for us, but... The main reason I'm giving him this is because on a team that really, really, really struggled to score goals, he had 10. It was three more than um, our dearly departed Daniel Rios, um, who was second on the team with seven. And then it was actually Shinyashiki, who was next highest with six. So along with those 10 goals, he also had four assists. So 14 goal contributions throughout the year. You might have wanted a little bit more. There were some erratic times and as far as, you know, he'd score a bunch and then go silent for a couple months with it. Um, but I just think on a team that could not score really um, consistently, that has to be shouted out. I mean, I think it's a fair shout out. I mean, I will agree with your statement that I don't know that I agree with you on that <laughs> statement. Uh, but but I, I mean, I do think it's fair to say he was brought in to score goals and at a level, maybe not the level that we wanted or the level that got us into, you know, playoffs or the level that left him as a striker whose job was to score goals. Uh, but at a level, yes, he did score goals and have goal involvements. Uh, so, so I can't fight you on that. Justin? Well, I I think that Swiderski might have been uh, done the most disservice of anybody on the squad by the sort of uncertainty and and 
Mar leaving and Latanzio trying to figure out the right system and everything like that. He improved, I thought, a lot when he moved to the 10. Um, I think with some of the changes uh, that we will talk more about later in this podcast and everything, maybe maybe this is going to be better. Um, I thought he was the most effective attacking player by the end of the season in particular. Um, I don't know that I would have called him my player of the season, but I understand the argument that Josh is making. Yeah, one thing I will... I will say to Carol Swiderski's favor is that while I do think he came short of the goal tallies and short of the contribution that I would have wanted to see from a talisman player. Um, I have never once doubted that guy's work rate. If you want to talk about somebody who went out in every single game and gave absolutely everything they had, that, that man left every single ounce of energy he had on every single pitch he played on for Charlotte FC. And that is a, a talisman mentality for the team. So yeah, I will give him a, a proper shout out for that one. Josh or uh, Justin, do you want to give us your 2022 crown player of the year? Um, I think that I'm going to have to recognize a guy that I honestly, I don't know, you know, how much starting time he's going to get going into the season, unfortunately. But um, I think Brant Bronico was the ultimate servant to the club. Uh, I think in our first season, he was the guy that went out there and, and when we interviewed him, he talked about it. He, he went out there with the grind set to, uh, you know, always give his all for the club. He played just about every minute, uh, even when it was potentially at, at times, not to the detriment of the club, but, but God, he needed a rest there towards the end of the season. And, but he was undroppable. And, and for that, Brant Bronica is my 2022 player of the season. He was absolutely undroppable. Um, it's one of those where, you know, through that grind, slowly the team just began to revolve around him because he was always the one willing to put in the effort, um, you know, to the point that he played multiple different positions and just they had to find a place to put him and incredible respect for that. I think that one's a, a good shout out. I'm going to go in here and I have two in my mind and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the one that I think is a little bit more um, understandable because I really feel like for a lot of players, we saw a tale of two seasons, right? Um, if we look at, you know, someone like Christian Kalina, you know, he became such an enormous figure for the club, but didn't really finish the, the season out that strong. Uh, if we look at players like Ben Bender, who came out really hot and did incredible things, but uh, then didn't end up as starting players at the end of the season. I am going to pick one of those who was not necessarily around for the whole season, uh, but due to injury. Uh, and that is, I'm going to pick Guzman Carujo. Uh, I know it can be hard to, to pick a player who does not finish a season as the player of the season, but I don't think anyone can deny how drastic it was when Guzman Carujo got injured. Uh, you know, what people were talking about this team was that Charlotte FC hadn't figured out how to attack yet, but they were super hard to, to score on. And that was Guzman Carujo. Guzman Carujo was doing it without Adelson Melanda. He was the one marshalling everything as, uh, as the lines changed around him, as coaches changed around him. He was making, I think, Christian Kalina look better. He was 
the, the central point of a defense that got a claim across the MLS in its first year. And we saw what happened when he left. And thankfully, I think that problem was solved by the other one I almost wanted to call out, which was I'm just uh, Adelson Melanda is is my my godchild yes. and I love him. Um, <laughs> but well, I don't think sounds... Adelson played long enough for it to actually be a real shout out. So I do think it has to go to Guzman Brujo. It sounds obvious to me, Logan, that your player of the season is Guzman Melanda. Yeah. Uh, Gu- <laughs> it's, it's, it's Guz Melandender because I'm <laughs> just going to try and get Ben Bender in there as well. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I, you know, of the players that we left out, I think we do have to give a quick shout to, to Christian Kalina yep. uh, for being the stabilizing uh, number one back there. Had some bad mistakes, but... Uh, uh, definitely an above-average shot-stopping uh, goalkeeper for Charlotte FC. And excited to have a bunch of these guys back, especially I think all of us are excited about the Carujo malanda pairing that I think we're all just sort of salivating for now in the center of our defense. Yeah, it could be really, really spicy. It could be really, really good. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to say with Melanda, I was right there with you, Logan, where... If it hadn't been for the fact that he only got into six games, I was really tempted to have him because the quality he showed on the field. If he had gone to double digits, I think I would have done it, even though that still would have been very few. Um, But I do think that his impact, especially when you consider uh, Carujo going out, can't be overstated. Yeah, I mean, I I think we all, uh, I ended up on the word imperious for Adelson Melanda. And he's what, 21 now? Someone correct me. Is he 21? I think he might still be 20. He might uh, still be. He just turned 21 uh, yeah. a couple months ago. I definitely knew exactly when his birthday was. So I was up on that. I was I was on top of things for sure. Um, <laughs> I did not just guess right. Um, 21 years old. 20 years old in the actual season. And the word that we landed on for his play was imperious. Now, it does come with that same... You know, the reason neither one of us gave it is it came, comes with that same same category of if you'd have told me after seven games into the season who I thought the best player on the team was, I would have said it might be Ben Bender. Now, Ben Bender at the time was lighting it up, but he also wasn't getting challenged because nobody thought he could do it. The moment he started getting challenged, we found out he's got a long way to go, right? So we still have a lot to see from Adelson Melanda, but man, I hope it continues in the in the vein that it that it started because well it just looks amazing uh actually in this in this instance what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to throw a bit of a curveball at you guys i'm going to ask you who you are most excited to watch in 2023 uh, who you're most excited to see progress uh josh do you want to just go ahead and take adels and melanda <laughs> uh yeah i i can um what i can't i can't believe what you have just done to your boy um, you just left Mackenzie Gaines out in the woods, haven't you? I, I have not. He, I have not. But I will be very specific about what I'm looking forward to seeing with Melanda, and that is his passing range. It is something that I think is in there and we did not see a lot of because I, I'm of the opinion he was probably given clear instructions about what he, uh, Latanzio wanted to see from him on the pitch, and it made sense to not have him be a primary distributor or anything like that. But I believe full-heartedly that his, his his passing range is something we haven't seen yet. And I think that he could be a really good asset for us 
with that um, in this new year. So that's the the specific part of the game. In addition to what you said about just that, making sure that consistency is there and that we're not seeing something where it, there's a bit of a drop off now that there's tape on him. But if there's not, that's what I'll be keeping an eye on is can he add that to his game and sh- and make it show up in um, in game times? Because that would I think that would help players like Swiderski and Gaines or whoever we're going to have out on the wing um, immeasurably. Yeah. Uh, Justin, who who do you want to shout out as somebody you're looking forward to? Uh, I am very interested to see the continued growth of Kamal Yuzwiak. There's a lot of expectation for him. Um, we all kind of expect the, the contract to be bought down to a position where he's no longer a designated player, uh, which is good. You know, I think that, that, that takes some pressure off of him. If that happens, I thought he came on really well towards the end of the season. I'm still very excited for him. I still think that he has a lot of, of opportunity to be a really effective player. I, I hope that the left wing is his position. I hope that he can be settled in a position, and I hope that position is the left wing going into the season. So um, I'm I'm really looking to see uh, Kamal Yuzwiak because I think he's got a lot of quality. I think he's got to find the way to work it inside this squad. And I think that, uh, you know, missing as much of the, the beginning of last season as he did, uh, maybe now he's going to be able to come back and be in a position to to really contribute early and fast for Charlotte. I think that's a really good call out. Um, I do think he came on as, you know, one of our seven left wingers who's way better on the left <laughs> than the right. Um, is it seven or do we have eight now? Uh, somebody's uh, to... It's the whole squad, right? <laughs> At least 11. <laughs> At least 11. Um, Christian Kalina is definitely better on the left. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I think it's a good shout out. And I think that there's a lot to look forward to from the player. We know he's fast. Uh, we now know that he he can really deliver some dangerous threat. And there's a there's a joke in the stats community that finishing isn't a thing uh, until you look at Gabriel Jesus from Arsenal slash when he was at Manchester City. That guy actually has trouble finishing, but <laughs> the rest of the world finishing isn't really a thing. You know, people miss big chances. People make chances that they shouldn't make it, it all over a period of time works out. I actually do have some minor concerns that maybe Kamil has has some of the trouble juju. Um, but I hope that those get kicked away relatively quickly. Thoughts on uh Camel, Josh? Yeah, I I'm with I'm with Justin on this one as well. Um I, I think the the second half of the year was just a different Uzwiak. Um I think I've also always been a little bit both higher and lower on him. I, I think there was a lot of excitement when the signing came about for for good reason. But this was a player who is pretty still unproven as far as consistency goes at a high level. But he had some really exciting times in Poland, in the Polish League, and then at Euro 2020. Um, I am of the opinion that what we saw at the end of last year is closer to what we'll see for the full year, if he's allowed to just stay out on the left. Um, I do agree with you also, though, Logan, is I have to see the goal scoring. I think he gets into good positions. I think he's been unlucky. But at a certain point, luck sort of goes out the window if year after year that luck is sort of the same. Sometimes that just is what you are. I still think it's too early to say that is what he is. But I think 
I think if he could get five to six goals this year, I think that'd be a fantastic turnout along with chipping in some assists and doing all the other hardworking stuff that he does. Yeah, I think he's going to be really fun to watch. I mean, I think if nothing else, he's going to be super fun to watch. Another guy who I think we're going to talk a little bit more about later, uh, but I'm going to pick from my player I want to watch coming up is actually going to be Adam Armour. Um, We're going to get further into some depth on him uh, later in, in the podcast, but Adam Armour is obviously the first ever goal scorer in Charlotte FC history. So that monkey is off of his back. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, do I have to come in and make my mark in this team? All he has to do is come in and worry about being a part of the team and making the best of his time here. Uh, but also what he has, assuming everything has healed well, is lightning speed. And we had a very, very good defense without a lot of speed in the back line. Um, and speed is kind of like a Band-Aid to everything. Now, don't get me wrong. Speed can also take you out of position. But having the ability to be out of position and then get back into position so fast that people can't take advantage of it is an incredible trait. And I am excited to see, especially if we sort of move into a bit of a field tilt where we uh, trust Nathan Byrne out on that right and sort of tilt into a three at the back with possession where we push the left side up and let hopefully Adam Armour, you know, blast up that sideline and and get into support and create, you know, overloads and triangles with Carol Swiderski, Ben Bender, uh, Kamal Yuzwiak, whoever is up there. I think that that area of the field with a really fast player in it could, could break the field open. And so I'm excited to see what Adam Armour does now that he's fit. Uh, thoughts on Adam? I mean, I, I am incredibly excited for him to be healthy again. Uh, he was a great guy to talk to, which I doesn't necessarily matter for his, for his playing time and everything, but I do want to call it out. Uh, I don't know if he's trusted. I think that we have seen on the other side, a young fullback who maybe hasn't been trusted by Latanzio uh, when, you know, the, the outside viewer maybe especially here on this podcast, thought he should have been. So I I hope for Adam Armour's sake that he gets an opportunity over there. I have concerns, especially given a signing that we'll talk about later, about how much time Adam Armour is going to get at left back this season. Yeah. Uh, well, should we should we sort of step away from the past and move into the future then? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that a couple of weeks ago, while we were on this podcast, there was some breaking news. Uh, Josh Josh was able to let us know about some of that. And we came back to let let you all know again that uh, Charlotte FC had traded. So there was a lot of activity around MLS Superdraft. So um, we got the number one overall pick. Uh, That was uh, something that we talked about in the podcast. We traded back into the first round. Um, We traded for the rights to a homegrown player from Portland. We we drafted a couple of players, another in the second round and another in the third round. And so we have a bunch of people. Um, and so what Brandon Cambridge is the player that we traded for the homegrown rights for. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, um, and here's the here's the fun part, listeners. This is Patrick Ayag uh, Agayemang. Uh, uh, Agayemang. Yeah. Agayemang. 
Uh, we um, hope that you know out there because it is this one. We apologize to anyone. We are mispronouncing this. Yep. Uh, Nick Scardina, a forward from Washington. Um, uh, Agimang is another forward. Uh, I think Cambridge plays in the midfield. Uh, Andrew Privet out of Penn State was our third round pick in the midfield. These are all guys that they're they're destined for MLS Next Pro. So yes. MLS Next Pro is our reserve team. Um, so these are not youth players. Uh, guys like Brian Romero, stuff like that, are going to be in. Uh, you know, somewhere between next and next pro next is our youth team. Uh, and then the news came out today that we've signed three other players, Philip Mayaka, Ethan Dudley and Gurman Sangha to our next pro team. So we're filling out a reserve team with all of these picks. Um, I don't know that we should Josh, uh, you know, definitely let us know about this in the last podcast. I don't know that we should expect, expect any of these, the three guys that got signed today, the, our second pick in the first round, uh, uh, you know, our second to third round picks and Brandon Cambridge probably not contributing this year uh, at the senior level Charlotte FC. Yeah, uh, I, I think that uh, what we what we move into now is the people who are coming in could actually make a difference for the team. Uh, one person we are going to talk about today is still up in the air in Enzo Capetti, but we are going to to talk about him. Just a little bit. The one I want to start with is uh, Hamidi Diop. And this guy, first pick uh, in the Super Draft, he was uh, actively traded for the first pick so they could go out and get this one person, right? This isn't a, yeah. oh, we're taking what's available to us. This is, we put all our cards on the table for this play. Yeah, we traded a total of four hundred in general allocation money, four hundred thousand dollars in general allocation money over the next two years. Uh, so I think the breakdown was two hundred and fifty thousand in game this season and one hundred and fifty thousand game next season uh, to St. Louis SC mm -hmm. uh, in exchange for the first pick in the draft. And I will say, I don't necessarily know a ton about uh, Hamidi Diop. He's a defender out of Clemson plays the left center back and left back positions from what I understand. Um, he seemed to be highly rated by the people who know this better than I do. Yeah. Uh, I did some scouting on Hamidi Diop, which a uh, general sort of release for the public. Uh, we have uh, gotten our, our fingers and toes into the actual scouting world. So we now have some access to uh, some scouting materials that we can hopefully bring you guys some, some more interesting perspectives. Uh, for you to learn about these players alongside of us. But uh, one of the, the websites that you can go out to has lists of, of what these players do in their best actions. And all of these like individual clips where they show you what they've done well, they title them so vaguely you know what is happening in the clip. And uh, Hamidi Diop was a very interesting, like even without looking at the clips themselves, you could just read the clip list and it read a lot like this. Long passes, long passes, long passes, long passes, long passes, defensive duel, long passes, long passes, defensive duel, long passes. Uh, I, I think that what this guy can do is pretty right out in front of us. Um, he looks very fast. He looks incredibly fast. Uh, which again, I like. He looks like the type of defender who does not have an issue with taking a duel running backwards. He likes that one-on-one -on -one defending. 
Uh, he's one of those defenders who appears to to get stronger, to to revel in the the battle of defense, which I love to see. But one thing he has in spades is he can, off of his left foot, send a diagonal ball out to the right winger that is really something special. Uh, it was clear that Clemson actively played into this ability uh, in order to create threat. And that's not the first time you're going to hear today that somebody specializes in in breaking lines and long passing. But the thing that stood out to me as I watched this guy was he's very fast. He's not afraid of a defensive duel, duel running backwards. And he is absolutely able to clip a diagonal ball over to the right wing. And we have a right winger who I, I don't think it would be unfair of me to say might really enjoy somebody who could clip a long diagonal ball into space. Uh, Josh, thoughts on uh, Hamidi Dia? Um, my thought is if he can place that ball, just do it and let Gaines run onto it. Because if you can get Gaines going full, no one, eh, very few people in this league are going to be able to catch up to Gaines. Um, Again, I, you know, the thing that jumped out to me, honestly, because uh, uh, like Justin, I don't really know too, too much about the collegiate game, um, is his size. Um, we've talked before about how in defense I am a, um, I'm a size snob, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but he is, he's listed at six foot, 186 pounds. So that is close to um, weight wise of Karuho. He's a little bit heavier than the listed weight of Walks. Um, he is a little shorter than both of those guys as well. But for someone who's 20 years of age going into a professional league, that seems like one less thing he's going to have to worry about, i.e., you know, putting on muscle and putting on mass in order to physically compete. It's one of the things that we've talked about a lot, I think, with Ben Bender is him being able to use his body and getting stronger for the physicality of a professional game. Hamidi Diop looks to me like he already has that body. Um, hopefully he knows how to use it, but he's not going to have to hit the weight room, I don't think, um, unless the, the listed weight is very far off in order for him to be able to compete against other professionals. Yeah, that's one of the things that, you know, obviously we don't have access to all of the times he's done poorly. Um, we do have access to like an all of his touches collection but that is a, a lot of data to process um so what what we have seen so far is what is out there to be scouted you know what are his skills what are his abilities and it looks like the physical use of his body he is politely spoken he's bullying players of the collegiate level which you know like you referenced might mean he can go into the mls level and, and just be physically ready to compete justin thoughts yeah, I mean, I don't know that anybody ever expects an MLS super draft pick, even the number one overall, to step in and, and get a ton of minutes right off the bat. We saw Bender get minutes last season as the number one overall pick. So, uh, you know, and and if this turns into Hamadi Diop as the successor sometime in the future for uh, Guzman Carujo, awesome. If this becomes Hamadi Diop is the competition for adam armor at the left back spot then awesome um i just uh i i hope that he lives up to the hype and i you know 
I think that defensively we are in a position where rotation can be very helpful. And, and I think we are in a position where maybe minutes for Diop in the open cup, uh, in the league cup, when we get to that, or in the, that leagues cup that's coming in October, November, um, you know, maybe he does get some minutes this season and I'm excited to see him play. I'm just not pinning too many hopes on him yet. Uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Uh, a bold, completely baseless prediction. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, there's just something about the way this all went down. And I went and I looked at the videos and I see a pathway where Charlotte FC is really looking to make sure that we have the ability to get out of our own back line. And Adelson Melanda helps us with that. But Adelson Melanda is still a kid. Hamidi Diop helps us with that. He's still a kid, but I, there's just something nagging at the back of my brain that says, this is, there are enough things in line here that this guy's going to see real playing time. I don't necessarily, I'm not out here saying that he's going to be our starting, you know, left defensive back and he's going to play every game and, and he's going to be the guy that we're all waiting to see on, on the pitch. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think he's going to have real involvement and hopefully that real involvement is going to really show us something. Um, any final thoughts on Diop or should we move on to, to some of the, the bigger names coming in? I mean, I think the only other thing is, is, you know, there's a potential that an ACL for a, a center back is a challenging recovery. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're still not, we're at a place where Guzman Carujo is ready to go at the start of the season. You know, I, maybe Diop is the third guy uh, coming in to cover for walks uh, and Melanda. Don't how, do Sobo like how, that. Yeah, how how dare you Look, whisper I, that into the world? <laughs> uh, I, I love Subasinski too, but if, if Diop's going to get minutes, it's coming at the expense of somebody. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I was saying, how dare you whisper that into the world because Guzman Carujo needs to be fit. I mean, um, I don't disagree. I just, my thing is, and, you know, I don't know, the turf in Charlotte has gotten some complaints from other sports recently. I want Guzman Carujo 100% fit before he goes to try and play again. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's move into a slightly older player who is reportedly now signed with the club in Ashley Westwood. And this particular signing has all of the markings of confusion written all over it. It is a whole bunch of question marks. Uh, but one thing that I can say is I, uh, he's definitely an older player. He's played in the Premier League. Uh, so he has experience against uh, the biggest, best teams in the world. And he is coming to us at a, a later stage in his career. I believe he's 32. But if you go and you look at his scouting something that uh, is very similar to what we just discussed with Hamidi Diop. If you look at his best playlist, uh, very, very similarly, it reads uh, line splitting passes, line splitting passes, line splitting passes, line splitting passes, long passes, long passes, uh, line splitting passes, defensive dual line splitting passes. There seems to be a theme in, in sort of the general scope of what, Charlotte FC are going for. And I see a lot of people whose highlight reels have a lot of passing in them. Uh, and Ashley Westwood is another one who who fits this description just at a much later stage in his career. Uh, thoughts on Westwood, Justin? 
Yeah. So like you said, he's 32. Um, he plays, you know, the, it's really going to be the six. He's going to be challenging. I think uh, Derek Jones might be challenging Brant Bronico for the eight, given his passing, things like that. Um, he's coming to us from Burnley who are in the championship, which is the second division of, of English football. So you've got the premier league, which is where, you know, the Manchester United's arsenals, uh, uh, Manchester city's Chelsea's, those teams play right below that. You've got the championship and Burnley are currently top of the championship. So, I mean, he, he, like you said, he's played in the premier league. Uh, he's playing right now for the top, uh, uh team in the championship. Um, he is like the next guy we're going to talk briefly again about coming off of an injury so there's a bad ankle break in april of 2022 so you know he's he's coming back from a broken bone at the base of of you know one of those important limbs for a footballer um so we'll we'll have to wait and see i think that much like nathan byrne uh you're looking at a guy who's coming over from a championship squad a little bit older provides some of that stability some of that tactical news some of the the experience there um i'm always a little hesitant about guys that are coming off of injuries especially leg injuries i think that's probably a, not an issue but i don't know yeah i think that's a wise thing to be you know somewhat concerned about especially at you know the more advanced stages of someone's career uh there are a lot of incredibly talented 21 year old players who get bad leg injuries and are never the same. Uh, you know, it's ha it's not unfortunately a story we have seen more than once. So, uh, you know, my my hope for Ashley Westwood is that he is healthy and fit. Uh, for him personally, I hope he's healthy and fit. I'll be honest, my hope for Charlotte FC is that this is a this is a leadership player. This is somebody who's supposed to come in and teach the younger kids how to be effective, how to find space how to connect passes, how to connect play, how to see the, how to read and see the field. And uh, I hope he comes in and does that very well for a year. And then I hope that, you know, unless he is just one of these guys that defies time, I hope that we, we see the next generation from learning from him. That would be my ideal. Uh, I'll be honest. When I, when I saw this, I said, I mean, I guess it's great to see somebody from that level of league, but I have, you know, like you have with the injury, I have concerns about what this says as far as this particular recruitment strategy goes. Uh, thoughts on on Westwood, uh, Josh? Yeah, I, I think I'm actually a little bit of the opposite of you, Logan. I am, I'm, I'm about like a seven, seven and a half on a scale of excitement with this, um, with this signing, mostly because. I have a lot of trust specifically in the scouting department of Charlotte FC because I think that they've done a really good job, especially I think over the past six to eight months of identifying talent, going and getting it. I'm going to preface all this by saying I'm trusting that they have looked at the medicals and they are confident that this injury is not going to be a problem for him. Um, with that in mind, I love the profile that he brings to this team, even at an advanced age. Um, it's, you know, I'll be honest, I did not watch Burnley very closely. I knew the name Ashley Westwood, but also his role that he played for for Villa and then Burnley. 
goes to where if you're not a fan of that team, you're probably not noticing him very much because he is that deeper lying person. His job is to make the passes. It's to um, uh, protect the back line, all of those things. And that I the passing specifically is what has me excited. He's someone who it looks like is very willing to, to pass out from deep. It's someone he's someone who can defend that back line. I look at this and if he's healthy, I think he comes in for uh, Derek Jones and I think he pushes Bronico forward. I think there's some risk. I think we've talked about this sort of offline of some fan pushback due to age injury. And then I think there's going to be this perception that he's competing with Bronico for a position. I'm not so sure. I kind of think based on what we saw at the end of last year, they might be pushing Bronico into a more advanced midfield role. In which case, I think Santos is Bronico's direct competition. Um, regardless, I'm actually relatively excited for this. I think the way he plays and the style of player, I think that can age gracefully. He's not, he shouldn't be someone who we're banking on for the next four years. But I think this year and next year, um, he could be a really good and important player for us. Again, as long as that ankle is healthy. Yeah. I mean, he could come in and be absolutely transformational in the sort of six holding mid position. I'm going to I'm going to reference us back to something that uh, I said in the beginning of the 2022 season. And I stick with because I, I feel it's critical to being a good football team. And that is you have to be able to kill your darlings. It's terrible to say out loud. It's even harder to say when you actually have those darlings, right? It's easier to say in the beginning of the season when you really haven't fallen in love with anyone yet. It's it's much harder to say now when all these new signings are coming in. And you know, uh, when we look at it, the the truth is, if he comes in and takes that spot, Bram Bronico's, if he still has that position, has to go somewhere, which means he has to either go left side of the six or to the eight. Who else is awaiting in the eight? Well, Ben Bender is awaiting in the potential eight. Nuno Santos is awaiting in the potential eight. Carol Swiderski is awaiting in the potential eight, 10. Andre Shinishiki, well, he's probably going to end up more forward if he ever plays again. The point is, the fact is coming that we are reaching the point. Players are going to get eaten by each other. Whether we like it or not, people that we love to see on this team are going to have to start fighting to stay there. And I really feel like this signing is going to be one of the big ones that starts that brawl off. Um, Justin, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I, this is my reference earlier when I was talking about Bronico being my player of the season. Is, is And... and Let's be clear to, to listeners, we don't actually think that this is going to be fist fights in the training grounds or anything like that, but... What? I bought season tickets for the fist fights. Oh, well... I was going to say, um, speak for yourself. I'm looking forward to them. Look, we, we got a couple matches this year against New York Red Bull. If you want a fist fight, you might find one there. Uh, but, uh, uh, no, I, I, I love Bronico. I think you know josh you identified this at the end of the season that the central midfield was an area where we needed to improve it's great to have these good guys it's great to have the Derek jones and the brant bronico but if you can find an improvement on them you have to go do it if you can find an improvement on anywhere in the pitch you have to go do it you know so and 
I think there's a very good chance that Westwood is an improvement for what, especially for what Christian Latanzio is looking to do. Because if he takes the spot of Derek Jones, plays the deep lying playmaker, and also that guy who can just disrupt in front of the, the back line, that doesn't necessarily mean diving into tackles and crunching guys. That's just as effectively done intercepting passes and covering passing lanes and forcing the play backwards. If he can do that and he's an improvement, you know, does our midfield look better if it's Ashley Westwood and Nuno Santos and Carol Swiderski than when it was Derek Jones and Brant Bronico and Carol Swiderski? Then that's what you got to stick with. Yeah, it's a hard truth, but it is a truth. Although I do have just a very quick question for you, Justin, and that is, you know, we talk about Nuno Santos like he is kind of up there and not necessarily like he has a slot already, but you know, we talk about him like he's been this really successful signing. We haven't seen that much of him. I mean, I almost have trouble, like, of all of the signings, he's kind of the one that I've just been like, yeah, that's a great signing, but we really haven't seen him play. I mean, how many games has he even got on for, do you know? Four. Four? He started yeah, one. Four. Uh, yeah. But my my thing about it is, much like Josh said, when when we talk about trusting the scouting department and everything like that, I think he's brought on for a reason. I think there's something that they see that they really like. Um, I saw something I really like out of him. It, it, the The goal that he scored, the way he drifts into the box late, the way he one-touches it past the keeper, those are, are elements I really like out of a midfielder's game. I'm still really high on Nuno Santos. I'm still really expecting him to come into his own. Um, if that's at the eight, then that's awesome. Uh, you know, but I think there is a, a situation where you see a midfield of Westwood, Santos, and Swiderski in the 2023 season. Yeah, it could absolutely happen. I think that we can also probably agree that his best position would be a left winger. You think that that's probably his best? Sure, we're we're short there. Uh, you know, uh, let's move <laughs> let's move on really quick. Uh, we'll we'll sort of knock out the rest of these fairly quickly. Enzo Capetti. Um, obviously, we've talked about him before. The only reason I'm bringing him up, he's not yet finalized. Another person who would be coming in post-injury. More question marks. Uh, but we have seen a lot of scouting on Enzo Capetti uh, about a guy who likes to get transition balls. He likes to get uh, headers in the box. He likes to get uh, long balls to run onto. And we just talked about a whole bunch of signings who fit that bill. So you know, not that I don't want to say that football teams shouldn't be these genius organizations, but sometimes the plan just has to be visible. Like sometimes the easier it is to understand what the plan is, the easier it is to actually execute a plan, especially for players who haven't gotten to play to get play together for five years. And I can see a plan where Hamidi Diop is kicking the ball out to Mackenzie Gaines for long runs that take advantage of Mackenzie Gaines' speed. And Enzo Capetti is happily right there with Mackenzie Gaines, diving into the box, hungry as all get out, waiting for Mackenzie Gaines to give him a chance at header. I can see that image really clearly. I can see the image of Ashley Westwood getting the ball in transition slowing the pace down for a second and retaining control for Charlotte FC and then hitting a ball through the line to Enzo Capetti, just waiting to run onto it. 
I, I, both of these images are very clear to me and both of them lend themselves to Enzo Capetti. So I, from what I know of the player, he seems like he fits what, what I see them seeing, if that makes sense. I might've just talked myself into a corner. Uh, any, any thoughts on this, uh, Josh? I just want it to get done or be announced that it's not happening. I, it's just been such a weird, I won't call it a saga because that's overstating how important this is in some ways. But, you know, I think this rumor cropped up a couple months ago. You know, I think we had reports from, you know, Top Ben and Bogert and all those guys, you know, beginning of December-ish, something like that. And then it's just sort of been silent. We haven't heard anything about it not happening. So, you know, I've sort of just been seeing the opposite, that it's still happening, it's still coming. So it's just weird to me that it hasn't. but. Um, that's my only sort of gripe with this is because I would have preferred him to have been signed so that we know he's going to be there when training camp starts in, in a little while. Um, and that seems a little up in the air right now, which is a little frustrating to me. Yeah. The fact that it is up in the air is not a super inspiring sign. Uh, Justin. I mean, again, grade two MCL, uh, uh, strain, sprain, tear, something like that. Uh, grade two ankle sprain. This was a rough tackle that that kind of knocked Enzo Capetti out for the end of Racing's season in Argentina. Um, I I hope that he is an upgrade for us on Danny Rios. Who, in case you missed it, Daniel Rios has been sold to Chivas de Guadalajara in Liga MX. Uh, he netted, it looks like, the reports are $3 million for Charlotte FC, mm -hmm. which is good business. Yeah, um, very good business. And, and if Copetti is an upgrade over Rios, then that's great business. I, I'm more concerned, I think, than, than some of you guys about Copetti. I don't necessarily see a, a great goal scorer. I see a poacher, uh, which... A poacher has his place in a team, absolutely. But for a poacher to be effective, there need to be other players putting shots on target for the poacher to catch the rebound on. And and we're not we, we weren't a team that did that very well. Um I I of of the signings that we have made, I am the least confident about Enzo Capetti, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, considering he's He's kind of the position we all were like, we need something in there that's going to make us feel confident, right? Um, yeah, there's some swirling stuff about Olivier Giroud not re-upping at AC Milan and being interested in MLS if he wanted to come be the number nine here. Oh, don't oh even do that God. to me. Yeah, don't, don't even no, do that Justin, to me, Justin. I have not seen that link. <laughs> I am going to pretend that I did not hear that because Look, that will be it's, all he's that still I wish my heart. Beast. It's yes. not a link to Charlotte, but Taylor Twelman has linked... Olivier Giroud with MLS. I, mean, I don't know. Is, is there a place he could go other than Charlotte? I mean, I realize well, there's like LA and Philadelphia and all those players. Too, I, but... I doubt we have like a high position on discovery Wait, rights for him. You know what? You you heard it here first. Olivier Giroud to Charlotte <laughs> FC as as uh, discovered and quoted by uh, Justin. First um, reported. First Look, reported. If if it happens. This I mean, is I, the best possible signing for, for Charlotte FC. Yeah, th Because that, you put the attacking talent that we've got with a goal scorer like Olivier Giroud through the middle, we're good. We're real good. <laughs> yeah, if, if Olivier Giroud comes to Charlotte FC, I am going to cry tears of happiness. <laughs> um, 
I'm then going to cry just because probably like getting over uh, overwhelmed emotionally. Uh, and, and then I am going to uh, buy uh, an Olivier Giroux Charlotte FC jersey. Um, and because... I'm going to keep my wife as far away from the stadium as possible <laughs> because I will lose that battle. <laughs> we will all lose that battle. Um, your wife might need to keep you away from that stadium, buddy. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Look, if, if, if the ladies around Charlotte FC were really excited about Bronico's hair, you get Giroux oh and God. that hair in here. Uh, yeah, the, the ladies around Charlotte FC and the way they love Christian Kalina, <laughs> they're not going to stand a chance when Olivier Giroux comes in. Okay, uh, so we've definitely gotten off here. We're going to go into the final part of our, our talk today. Uh, we're going to talk about our lands, and these are one of my favorite things. They're like a new signings. Um, really, we have two of them, maybe three of them, depending on how you want to address it. Uh, the first <laughs> one that I think needs to be talked about is Adam Armour. We did see a little bit of him. Obviously, he made a little bit of history for the club. Uh, I'm really, really excited for what this guy could potentially bring. Uh, everyone knows how much I like Adelson Melanda. Everyone knows how much I like Ben Bender. Both of those two are young, promising, interesting players who could be world-class. I still chose Adam Armour for the one that I want to watch coming up in this next year because... I just feel like uh, I personally believe that teams that shape shift with and without possession can really do some interesting things. And I think his speed on the left side compared with Nathan Burns understanding of the game and his understanding of positioning and his ability to read the field so well could just allow us to do stupidly fun things that make football fun to watch. That's the that's the honest truth of it. I think what Adam Armour and his speed could do is just make this team silly fun to watch. So I'm super excited for it. Um, real quick, thoughts on Adam Armour, Justin? I mean, I, I desperately hope he comes back healthy. I desperately hope that he, he gets an opportunity to get minutes. Like I said... That is a hope more than a belief because I, I don't know that Latanzio is going to give him the minutes that, that I hope. I, personally, I believe he deserves. Um, but, you know, I'm not there in training every day. I'm not there, um, you know, watching him uh, as he recovers from that injury. So I don't know. I, I hope, but I don't have a lot of faith. Fair enough. Josh, thoughts on uh, on Adam? I'm excited to see him. You know, I hope the recovery is is going is going well or or whatever. Um I am a little bit I'm very much cautious about his impact this year. I think I'm more in line with with Justin than with you simply for the fact that I'm always cautious with with knee injuries and and those type of things coming back just because it can lead to other muscular issues. I think if we see him in U.S. Open games, if we can see him coming off the bench, um, maybe that weird uh, summer tournament that's happening with Liga MX, maybe that's a good place for him to get some game time. Um, I think that would be good. My view of, of Adam Armour is I'm really sort of looking for uh, 2024 to really see him push for a starting place. But I think that this could be a really good year um, for him to get minutes. And I'm hoping that we're not going to be relying on him too much, to be perfectly honest. I think this team needs an established left back. Um, 
And I think that it would be a disservice to to Armour to expect him to come back from serious injury at such a young age and be a difference maker. He might surprise us all and do it, but um, what I really hope is that he can get around 15 to 20 appearances this year in some shape or form and get back to full fitness and be really, really ready to, to hit the ground running in 2024. Fair enough. Uh, I will, you know, maybe I am a bit out over my ski tips here, uh, but I have I have very high hopes. And that might, you know, you use the, the term, it might be unfair to Adam. And uh, the football fan in me doesn't care. <laughs> the football <laughs> fan in me is just excited. Um, but, you know, the, the analyst and the realist in me does have to acknowledge that, that you may bring forward a very good point, not that I want to admit it, that a young player coming back from injury we can't put, you know, the weight of the team on him. Uh, we just have to let him be and see where he develops to. So I guess I'll hold my hand up and say that makes sense. Um, we'll move on along to uh, Vicinius Mello, and I will be perfectly honest. I know that he plays as a striker or as, get this, a left winger. So uh, I know absolutely nothing about him otherwise, other than uh, he's like six foot-ish tall. And a center forward, Justin, is, is he going to redefine us? I, I mean, I don't know if he redefines us, right? But there was a lot of excitement about him. He's a Brazilian player. There's, there is a cultural flair there that I think is interesting. Um, he is a player that I think a lot of people were very excited when we first got him. And then he got the, you know, the bad injury and training and, and, you know, with the season that, that we lost due to COVID. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to having another strike option, especially another strike option that has been around the team for a while. Granted he has been injured, but you know, he looks like a center forward type in, and I would be interested to see, any center forward option that improves on where we were last season. I would agree. Do we know for certain that he is actually back? I will say Transfermark still has him as injured. Transfermark uh, is usually is usually pretty slow with updating that stuff. I will say that I think until we see him on the field, we can't say whether he's back because if you remember at the beginning of last year, I think he was supposed to be back in March and then it was June and then it was silence. Um, I which don't is, really know. Inspiring. Yeah, it's a really weird situation he's in. You know, again, there was excitement around him, as Justin said. But to me, I'm not counting on anything from Mello until I actually see him touch the grass in some in some boots. Um, and hopefully that comes and hopefully he he justifies the, the hype that was around him. Um, but he's just such an unknown right now. You know, what? I've been out over my ski tips this whole time. I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> it. 42 goals this season for Vicinius Mello. Yep. Highest oh, score. The, the Brazilian Mbappe. Got it. Yeah. yeah. The Brazilian Mbappe with like with like 30% of Erling Holland in him. You know, like maybe maybe 12 of those goals are gonna be like flying karate kicks through the air kind of stuff. Um, definitely what's gonna happen. We will move on to our final talking point of the night, and we will make this one relatively quick. Uh it's Harrison Awful. Everyone, Harrison Awful's back. He was here, Yay. then he was gone, and now he's back. We don't know how to feel about it. Uh, you oh, know, I, I know don't... how to feel about it. 
Try and be nice, Harrison. <laughs> uh, I, I do think that it's no secret that we have not been the biggest fan of Harrison Awful on this podcast. Um, apparently, he has come back in a capacity that is not just a player capacity. Uh, but I can personally say that I would not be thrilled if we line up and for the first five games of this next season, I see Harrison Awful on the starting lineup every time. I would not be thrilled. Um, uh, again, good servant to the club. Not somebody I can ever say didn't work hard for the club, but someone I can say I have um, some interesting questions as to whether or not he can uh, be the future of the club and he's been re-signed. Uh, Josh, I know that you said he's not just here as a player, correct? Yeah, there, there's something in there about he has a role, I think, with like player scouting or development or, or something along those lines. So it's clear, I think, that this that there must be some agreement between the club and Harrison Awful that they want him around for his leadership ability. Um, I imagine he'll get into a few games, but it sounds like he's also looking forward into the next phase of his career, which I think my hope is that that's good news for us because I don't think that Harrison Awful the player right now makes Charlotte a competitive team. I know I just spent some time saying that, you know, Adam Armour, uh, you know, Jalen Lindsay, the US Open games, the the summer tournament might be good chances. Those are other times where maybe maybe he makes sense in those kind of games if you're playing a really young squad to get someone who has played for years and years into that side to help them out on the pitch. But if Harrison Awful is starting every week for us at left back or right back or midfield or somewhere, I am going to be very disheartened and I would bet a lot of money that we are not having a good year. Yeah. I mean, I would do the same thing, but without betting the money because I just don't want to bet money on anything, uh, which is just kind of how I am. Uh, I think that the general flat level about the fact that Harrison awful has resigned probably tells you all you need to know about, you know, at least our, the host of this podcast's general feelings about Harrison Awful. So uh, we are going to begin to wrap it up there. Justin, real quick, final thoughts on the players coming in? Uh, other than Harrison Awful, I'm I'm pretty excited. You know, the team needed some more depth. It needed the opportunity to to rotate. And I do think that Charlotte has managed that. I think that that does mean, like you said, some of the players that we loved last season that we were very excited for, they're going to see their time you know, halved or more. Um, but that's okay if the team is getting better. Yep. But the if team the just team... needs to actually get better. Uh, and, and you know, I think more than anything else, my frustration with the Harrison Awful move is, it, you know, it feels like a, a move to help shore up the left back spot, but we already have Joseph Mora there. We have Adam Armour coming back healthy. We drafted Hamadi Diop. If we wanted another left back to challenge in there, why didn't we go find somebody that that is better than Harrison Awful? Yeah. Uh, I don't have the answer to that, but we hope Charlotte FC does. Uh, Josh, final thoughts before we call it for the day. I'm going to... I'm going to be hopeful that this team has a plan specifically at the left back spot because I'm with Justin on this. I, my gut tells me that the move of bringing Awful back is not for him to be a, a starter, and I really hope that that's the case because I'm sure Harrison Awful is a great 
person and professional. Um, but this team, in my opinion, I would have put left back at the top of the summer. Uh, well, not summer, but winter signing period for this club. And the fact that we haven't really even been connected with anyone worries me. But I think someone will come in eventually in, in that spot. And I hope it's someone that we can actually get excited about. Uh, my final thoughts on this are since uh, Christian Latanzio has taken charge of this team, I see a plan. I will be honest. I have to stretch for the plan a little bit, but I see a plan. I see where this team could theoretically be going to succeed. And that alone inspires me. Uh, so as ever, this one went a little bit long, but we appreciate your sticking with us. If you spent your time with us, we love you. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Goodbye. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.